You're listening to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. to another episode of the Cultured Podcast. Mm, 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 mm. Dance with me. Dance with me. I'm very excited for our guest today. It's Amber Nash. She is an actor, an improviser, and she does some voiceover work. And uh, you may know her character of Pam Poovy on Archer, the FXX show that is one of my favorite all-time cartoon shows. It's unbelievable. Definitely not for the kiddos, which is what makes it so much fun. It is the Danger Zone. That's a reference to the show. Hopefully you're a fan and you got that. Um, So we're going to be talking to Amber today specifically about voiceover acting, but also about improv because it's such an incredible art form. And before we do that, we're going to jump into what's inspiring me this week. And there is a chill in the air and there is some wind blowing on those trees and there are leaves falling and what's inspiring me but chilly little weather. I love winter clothes. So I'm one of those people who actually comes alive in the fall and winter and feel really energized by the the lighting that the sun casts that's so specific in the fall and winter, especially in the winter. And the fact that you can bundle up. I love <laughs> busting out hot cocoa in the winter with uh, just a few marshmallows slash half the bag. Um, so I really enjoy the crisp weather. Of course, I'm also from Miami and now live in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's not like I have to deal with snow and it's not like I have to deal with any kind of really like wintry weather. So I'm sure there's people across snowy cities that are rolling their eyes at me, like try shoveling 16 feet of snow. Anyway, to awakening during a time of hibernation and to enjoying the darkness and the stillness that comes from being in the winter. Um, Cheers to winter, which is inspiring me this week. And as always, I'd love to hear what's inspiring you. So email me at info at culturedpodcast.com and I'll feature you on the upcoming episodes. Poovy, come on, don't do this. Make me. I mean, don't make me. Look, I know you cops have to check your weapons up front, and there's five of us and only one of you, so... So who wants their ass beat first? And before you decide, keep in mind I'm gradually going to get more tired, but also gradually more berserker. And now, without further ado... Amber Nash, welcome! Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you, yay! See, one of my favorite things about living in Atlanta is the amount of talent we have here. I know, and people are always surprised to hear about it. Which is like kind of a good thing. I know. It's like a little secret because it's like we can still afford to live here. So it's like we don't want too many people to know how awesome it is. So it doesn't become like, you know, New York. Hollywood. Right. Know what I mean? But I mean, the the affordability is going down, but that's for another show. Right, right, right. That's a whole different topic. (laughs) Today, it's about you and it's about what you do as an actor. So you are an ensemble member of Dad's Garage Theater Company. So tell us a little bit about how your career started in improvisation. So I... 
very strangely, I was um, I was always like a weird hammy kid. Like I was always getting in trouble for talking in class and like trying to make people laugh. And that's how I like got friends when I was a kid. And I was on the straight and narrow. My parents are very conservative. They're not artistic types by any means. And so they um, had no idea what to do. with No, you. they were just like, what? Like and when I was a kid, my dad's very much like the kind of dad that like works on cars and like builds sheds and like he's an outdoor dad. And so I would always be outside like trying to get him to give me like wood and a hammer because I like needed to create something. I just didn't know I was an artist yet. Yeah. Um, so they were just like, we don't know. She's creative. My mom would always say she's creative. And uh, so I was I went to college. I was getting a degree in um, biology. <laughs> and then I realized I was entirely too stupid <laughs> and I was never going to make it. So I switched to psychology and that was way more fun and way more up my alley. And I still love that to this day. But I was just feeling like I was in college. I, was, I think it was like my ju- No, my sophomore year. And I was just like, something's missing. Like I need an outlet. I don't know. I just was like super bored with just taking science classes and hanging out with my friends. And a friend of mine was like, hey, have you ever seen improv before? And I was like, no. And this was like the late 90s. And he was like, "Um, I went and saw this show at Whole World, which is still in business today in Midtown. Um, And so I went and saw a show and literally I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. This is exactly what I need to be doing. And I signed up for classes that night. And then that's how I started doing improv. Oh my God. Gosh, yeah. it like immediately connected with Yes, you. I was like, what this is it. What do you think connected it. about improv? I think what's, and what we always say this at dads all the time is that improv is like the gateway drug to theater because theater is like young people don't, aren't like, I can't wait to go see a live theater show. But improv is, it's not pretentious. It's fun. We sell buckets of beer at dads. Like it's just, it's kind of like an everyman art form. Yeah. And so as a kid, I mean, I was 19 and maybe a little bit younger. And I was like, this is just, there's just something about it that's so free like I remember watching them do a scene at Whole World and the you know the stage is blank they don't have costumes on there's no special lighting and they were in an airplane that was crashing and I was like you can do anything on this stage and it was just magic to me I'd never seen anything like it I couldn't believe it my god and I I totally agree with you it is magic and I was the kid (laughs) who wanted to go to the theatrical productions. <laughs> I was like a Broadway geek oh, since boy. like birth. Yeah. Um, like my mom, just to keep me busy, because I was also a ham, she would put on My Fair Lady and I would watch it <laughs> over and over at like Sound of Music. But the funny thing is I was a trained actor, but when we would do improv exercises in my conservatories, I could not do it Yeah, because it, it's so difficult. I mean, people don't understand. You have to be in the moment. You have to be listening to your, you know, scene partners. Yeah. And you can't be cracking up at everything. Yeah. So how how did you get into the state of mind? Like, were you a natural fit? Was that just a natural fit for you? Or did you have to, like, practice a lot? You know, I feel like I hear that a lot from from actors they're like I could never do that and what I found because I didn't study acting like improv is how I got to become a performer and so I think that 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 might have something to do with it but yeah. like if I have to do a scripted show I am paralyzed with fear like I memorizing my lines um having to get something done at a certain time especially if I like I did a solo show a couple years back and like just knowing that I had to hit a cue so that they would hit the lights or the sound at the right time like it was too much and mm-hmm. so in improv it's literally like we say this all the time and it's because we're trained we don't have to think about it anymore is that it's lazy like you don't have to memorize lines you don't have to work costumes. We sometimes wear costumes, but it's just uh, the ability to be so free was just it just spoke to me. And so when I'm doing scripted stuff, I work better when I'm in a situation where I can 
And it's not because I think my ideas are better than the writers. It's that I need to be in a state of freedom so that I can really get to what I need to to perform, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. It totally does. And, you know, it's quite an incredible skill to those of us actors or former actors Mm -hmm. who don't know how to do it as well, that it is magical. Yeah. And there's so many places like when you go to L.A. or New York, there's so many actors that their agent is like, you need an improv class on your on your resume. Like, you've got to go take an improv class. And so because it's such an invaluable skill. And there's directors that love working with improvisers. And there's directors that are like Shonda Rhimes is like a perfect example. Like she's word perfect. You do not mess with her script or that's what I've heard. Right. Um, And so it's like if I ever worked with Shonda Rhimes, I would just never work again because she'd be like, you can never work for me. Totally. (laughs) Well, and that's that that goes to show like you need good partnerships. Right. You need to find people that you creatively can collaborate Absolutely. with in every setting, mm-hmm. right? And no matter your art form. So let's talk about how you got into voiceover okay. acting in particular. Um, is that a big leap? You know, I think that because I was so used to creating characters and coming up with voices and having to have different characters that I can't distinguish with a costume or a set, you know what I mean? Right. So that made that made it a little bit easier for me to to work with doing voice work. But then like the nuts and bolts of it is so much different than especially theatrical performing because you're, it's so big and so over the top um, that it was a little bit harder to kind of distill it all down and get it, get all that stuff that I do out, out of just my mouth. And so that's taken some time over the years. Like, I mean, we're going into season nine. We're making season nine of Archer right now. And I'm still learning. I'm still taking classes. I'm still like, it's, I'm, I'm always going to be learning new stuff, you know, because I was a completely untrained, like I'd never, I'd done one animation show before with the same people. And they're like, whatever, she's fine. She'll do fine. Um, so I really don't have the training that a lot of voiceover actors do. So how did you get into that? So, um, when okay so back in the day at dad's garage when i first kind of started working there there was a group of like ragtag dudes and one of the dudes is christian danley and he had finished art school and started working with these guys that were animating shows for cartoon network and at the time i think they were working on c lab 2021 and he was an animator for them and there was only like five dudes in a dirty house in east atlanta making cartoons of course he was telling <laughs> and it was it was insane like literally the guy that lived across the street from them um would mow their lawn for them, like, you know, every couple weeks. And they used him as a voice actor. Like, literally anybody could be on their shows. That's how it kind of worked around there. And so they had been to Dad's because we were the other, like, ragtag comedy group in town. And so they knew a lot of the improvisers at Dad's, and they needed a female voice for a new show that they were making. And I auditioned for them. And that was, I think, the first time I auditioned for an animated show. And I was not right, because it was like a 16-year-old. Even when I was 16, I didn't sound 16. So it was like for a teenage girl, and it was just like, not right. They were like, no, no, please don't ever do that again. And But then the show ended up changing. And then they were like, well, we'll just have Amber do it. And then I I got the role doing a different voice on that show. And so through that, working with them on that show, when they started doing Archer, I didn't even audition. They just gave me the job. God. Yeah, what a what a little gold mine <laughs> I just know. like waiting to be discovered. And I had no idea when they were like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was just like, "Oh, it's another job where they're just going to give me some cash under the table, and I show up every couple weeks." I had no idea. Like <laughs> the life literally, of an actor. right? It was season two before I was like, "Oh shit, I better start reading my scripts before I go in." Like I wasn't taking it seriously at all. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, "Oh, it's going to get canceled or never get on the air or whatever." So tell us a little bit about the actual process. So now you're in the booth, yep. and so now. Now you've learned to read your scripts yes. before you go yep. in. And what does that help you do? A lot of is a lot of times it's timing. In the beginning, I didn't know what anybody sounded like. I hadn't seen the show yet when we were first making it. But now 
I, I kind of have an idea of how Aisha's going to deliver her line or how John's going to deliver his line. And so if I read through it, um, I can get an idea of the timing or ki- sometimes there's jokes in there. Literally, that it's such a smartly written show that there's stuff that I'm like, I have no idea what this reference is. And I'm assuming that's part of the reason why Adam writes it that way, because he wants audiences to like go Google a bunch of the stuff that he's talking about. Um, there's still jokes that like fans will tell me. and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I don't even remember what episode that was from. Um, so it kind of helps me out in that way just to get ready for what I'm going to do the next day. But it's like literally when I record an episode, I'm there for I'm in the booth for 30 minutes maximum. Are you really? For, an for episode. one episode? Yeah. My God, that's nice because a lot of what I've thought about voiceover acting, but also like reading audiobooks, obviously, it's really time consuming Mm -hmm. and you can be reading over and over and over again. So is that unique to Archer and the fact that you are pretty well versed on the character? I think it's unique to the guys that make it. Like, I think that they have never been picky. (laughs) Like, literally, they don't make you do takes. They're like, yeah, that's fine. And every once in a while, probably like... I'd say like two times a season, I'll have to do a pickup, like because something they got in the previous record wasn't right and they need me to go back and do it. But for the most part, like they just aren't picky and they let actors do what they want and they get they because if you just hammer something and I think everybody's different, but if you just hammer something, you're going to get a different it's, it's not as li- it's not as alive and real. You know, they just like the grit of people not being to rehearse and overdone. Totally. And and look at the result. Right. This like very crazy successful show. Mm -hmm. Nine seasons. Nine seasons on this very like crude, hilarious, (laughs) outrageous adult cartoon. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I feel like Archer was on the forefront of adult cartoons. Yeah. Like, I mean, we'd had like, you know, The Simpsons and Family Guy and South Park and all those kind of guys. But this was the first. It had more of like an indie edge to it. Like, it's not for everybody. And uh, like when it first started, FX is such a huge network now and they get so many nominations every year for Emmys. And when we first started with FX, they weren't very well known at all. The only big show they'd have they had at the time was Always Sunny. And... It's like now, I mean, it's a juggernaut. It's like up there with HBO as far as like the amount of amazing stuff that's coming out every year. What is one of the most difficult parts of voiceover acting that you didn't expect going into it as a newbie? Hmm. I think that one of the first things... One of the first good notes I ever got, I was working with another improviser from Dad's named Mike Schatz, and he does a lot. He's like the voice of Atlanta Gas. He did the voice for the Thrashers. Uh, he did a bunch. He's done everything, and it's because he works for an ad agency. So he's like, oh, I need a voice. Oh, I'll just do it. It's just easier and faster. Right. Um, so he gave me work when I was younger doing like um, radio spots. And so he, one of the first notes he gave me was I was standing behind the microphone and I had the music stand in front of me with with my script on it and I had my arms by my side and I was talking into the microphone and he was like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> he's like, you, you move around in there because I was so afraid of like making extraneous noise or like hitting something. And he's like, if you will just retake it. He's like, if you're not smiling, we can hear it. Like if you're not moving, we can hear it. And so I was like, oh, I've got to use, I've got to use what I'm doing with my body and get it through in my voice. And just like one of the easiest things, and we all know that even if we're not voice actors is you can hear Like when you're talking on the phone with somebody, you can hear when they're smiling. And so I was like, okay, oh, okay. It's all clicking. And so it really started, that was the hardest part was really trying to get it all out through my mouth. Well, right, because you're disembodied from the character. Yeah. There's – that is, to me, the most fascinating thing. I would love to dabble in voiceover acting eventually, mm-hmm. and I 
maybe I have a podcast for that reason. Just kidding. I love you guys. Um, but it, to me, it's fascinating. And it's also like a lot less work than actually like going on stage, oh having a costume. It's but so easy. Conversely. Yeah. Like you hear a lot of actors, for instance, I was watching this interview with Jennifer Lawrence, who just did Mother, which Mm -hmm. is holy crap, it's intense. Okay. But her character in that movie is extremely different from her. Right. And so she talked about how difficult it was to tap into the motivations and and what drives that character until she got her costume on. Until she started seeing the set come together. Yeah. And you don't have those tools as a voiceover actor. No. And so that to me is probably the most difficult thing coming from this other side. Yeah. Um, So now you're in the booth and you're reading. Is there, are they playing the scene and do you have to like match up with the movements of the scene that's already been animated? Great question. And I thought I thought that too. And so what I've started to realize, which I think is kind of the way that it goes, is that that's the way they do film because they pre-animate everything and then they bring the actors in and the actors have to match what they call the lip flap, which is the movement of the mouth. And, <laughs> an and, elegant term. Right. And I think it's because when they're doing films like Pixar and, and stuff like that, it's so much more time intensive. Like animation takes so long, but some animation takes less long. (laughs) And so I think that that's why they do it that way because they've got to start working on the animation right away. For us, we record first and I know Bob's Burgers does it that way. I think a lot of TV does it that way. I think maybe all TV, but I can't say for sure. And then they animate after. And I know the reason we do it on Archer is because they want to have the freedom that if they got something spontaneous or improvised that they can use that instead of what's scripted. Oh, of course. Yeah. And because it can change lots of different things. And so then they animate it afterwards. Are there ever situations where you are you ad lib something and a whole new scene develops from that? That's never happened. <laughs> I wish that it would. But um, and also another thing that we do differently is we all record separately. And like Bob's, I know for sure they all record in one group. And so First of all, it's more expensive. You got to get everybody in the same city at once. Right. And uh, it takes a lot longer. It takes like eight hours. That's why it's more expensive. Um, but they improvise a ton, which is so much fun. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would love to be with this cast for eight hours in a booth totally. recording. And our 100th episode is coming up. And I'm like, please, guys, please just make the 100th episode where we all record together. It'd be so much fun. But it's probably not going to oh happen. My God, yes. <laughs> and if you guys ever end up in a booth, can I just be sitting in a corner? going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun. We're a really fun group when we all get together. And I think it's because we don't work together. So we really like each other. Wow. And you guys do a lot of conferences. Like you Mm -hmm. just came back from New Zealand where you did a con. Uh, How is that when people come up to you like as the voice of Pam Poovy? It's crazy because a lot of times people people have no idea what I look like. So there's not a lot of people know my name either. They're just like the voice of Pam Poovy. So not a lot of people know who I am. And then they get to me and they're like, oh my God. And they really freak out and it's really fun. But then there's a group of people that do know. Like there was one woman and this happens at least once a con there was one woman in New Zealand that was uh, cosplaying as Pam she looked incredible and she lifted up her skirt and she had a gigantic tattoo of Pam on her thigh and I was like oh my Stop. god yeah yeah I mean, Pam is slightly a personal hero for me, too. <laughs> she's I won't, pretty I'm not great. Gonna lie. She's pretty freaking amazing. It's, I'm really, like, proud of the character. Like, I've watched her change and grow and, like, become this. She's just this amazing character that can is unstoppable and can do anything. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Badass. And the fact that she's, like, HR is, is I know. the best. Those I are know. such smart decisions. Yeah. So how much influence do you have in character development? Not a lot in – well, here's the thing is I think that when – 
when Adam cast the whole group, I think that he was like, great, okay. And Pam wasn't really going to be much of anything. Like, she was just kind of a punching bag, I think, in the beginning. Yeah. And they wrote her in the very first episode. She was written as, um, when they introduced her, they say, Pam, the mousy HR director. And I was like, mousy, mousy right? So it's, she's completely different now. And I think that what's happened over time is that Adam has gotten to know everybody better personally. And so he writes the characters with some of us as actors in mind. So just me being the person I am, I think, has influenced some of it. Like, for example, example, Lucky in real life always says, yep, yep, yep. And so Krieger has started to say, yep, 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 because Adam heard him say that and was like, that's great. And I'm writing it into scripts. And yeah. so, and like I call in real life, call, use the word ding dongs a ton. Like I always call people ding dongs. And so Pam like yeah, says, ding dongs. <laughs> yeah, says ding dongs. And so I think that's kind of how I've influenced the character. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I think it's very smart because mm-hmm. then it adds a very natural component to the character. Totally. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so actually, speaking of Pam, mm-hmm. we have a very special guest today oh who's going to be joining us. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pam is actually stopping by. Everybody, Pam, hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm great. Well, you look great. Well, thanks. I'm wearing my bikini. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little chilly for that. But, uh, you know, do you? Um, So any, like, crazy misadventures you've been on lately, Pam? Um, Well, I was uh, was in the South Pacific, and uh, I was testing out a new jet ski, and I got totally stalled out and almost got eaten by a shark, but no big D because I had a flame, uh, like one of those guns that shoots flares, and I just shot it right between the eyes. Oh, wow. It wasn't like Yakuza shark or anything. No, Because sometimes you dabble. Right. And then I was able to, I just put some some bare wires together and got the thing started back up again. Wow, that's amazing. So next time, I probably won't go jet skiing with you. No. Because it sounds pretty bad idea. (laughs) So um, do you like Amber voicing you? Oh, my God. Yeah, she's such a babe. Yeah? Yeah. Have you guys had anything going on in the past? Oh, no, that'd be real weird. Real weird. I can barely get her to drink a whiskey with me. I would call that (laughs) self-love. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, you ding-dong. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Bye. Is it weird that I'm geeking out about talking to Pam no, even though I've been talking to you the whole time? Not at all. <laughs> okay, so let's get a little bit real about the industry. Okay. Being an improv actor, yep. voiceover actor. Yep. Would you say those are mostly male-dominated fields? I think, you know, com- comedy, I think, is for sure. Um, coming yeah. up in comedy, I, I even surprised, I mean, I came up in comedy. It's not like it was the 40s. Like, good God. Like, I started in the late 90s. Like, right. it's still male-dominated. I think it's changing a lot. Um, acting, not as much, um, because there's so many amazing women. Uh, and I met so many amazing women doing comedy, too, that have been very inspirational to me. Um, but voice work, I think so. I think... Honestly, the thing about voice work that's crazy, and I heard a lot about this and I was surprised by it, is that people are like, well, once you get in, you're in and there's five people that do all the work in the whole industry. And it's like, really? And it's kind of like, yeah. Like when I meet other voice actors, some of the really great voice actors are like, oh, they did the 100 characters that you loved as a child. Like so many, so many jobs. And the the reason is, is because it did doesn't usually pay all that well. So people got to work really hard. Um, So that's probably why. But also they're just incredible actors that can do 
so many different voices. But yeah, I mean, I think the whole, like, everything's male-dominated, but it's changing. It is changing, yeah. thanks to people like you. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and Pam. Right? <laughs> Pam ain't going to take that shit. <laughs> well, I asked because I know one of the things, especially in the entertainment industry for women, is that pay is so unequal. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of work that goes to men. The pay is natural. And there's a pay gap in general, but I think in entertainment, we've seen a lot of actresses come forward. So have you struggled with that in your career? You know, the weird thing is, and maybe it's just the way that I've been exposed to it, but I have no idea how much people make on the show. Like, I think that there's a lot of, you know, because managers take care of it, agents take care of it. They're talking to the network. Like, there's all this, like, riffraff that goes on that the actors are not exposed to or aren't allowed because, like, we're just dumb actors. We can't handle money. Um, (laughs) There's there's so much of that in the industry, too, where it's like, don't let, don't. Don't let that dumb actor do those things. Um, there is a lot of people that treat you like a baby because you're an artist. And it's like, just because I'm an artist doesn't mean like I don't know how to like take care of my finances. You know what I mean? Well, right. Um, but that's kind of like, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Um, but I, I think more than anything, what I struggled with was honestly that there was, there was very famous people on the show when we started. And I was just this improviser from Atlanta. And so I think that there was... And for good reason, a gap in pay there because they're like, we're going to pay the famous people more than we're going to pay this improviser from Atlanta. But I think everything's kind of balanced out over time because they're like, oh, well, this character's great. And she's what's funny is uh, this is a side story, but uh, I became a series regular in season two. So in season one, I was in every episode, but I wasn't considered a series regular. So I wasn't in the opening credits. And again, I was just kind of like a gigging actor. I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't know that it was an important show. And I called the executive producer before season two and I was like, hey, I'm taking a job on a cruise ship for four months and he's like what and I was like I'm an actor like I got offered second city offered me to take this job on a cruise ship for four months so I'm gonna do it and he's like you're on a tv show and I was like well I mean what am I gonna do I gotta make money and he's like okay here's the deal if you don't go on this cruise ship we'll put you in the opening credits and we'll give you a raise and I was like okay (laughs) yeah isn't that crazy that's no you know what it's not crazy it's about (laughs) self-worth and it's about like well I need to make money so if you're not gonna do it right I'm gonna that is awesome and I think that's a good lesson for all like female entertainers but also creators right is like you have to be the one in this society to ask for more and I've also been very fortunate I must say because the guys because I'd worked with them before and they were genuinely friends of mine the executive producer and the creator Matt and Adam have taken such good care of me and like worked to get me more money when they knew I wasn't going to get it because I wasn't a, a big name celebrity. Yeah. So they've taken such good care of me over time and been like, like most people would never imagine calling the executive producer and being like, Hey dude, can you be on my side? And he was always on my side wow. at, at every turn. Yeah. That's amazing. I think all of those things add up to the success mm-hmm. of the show. Totally. I really do. They're really good guys. And one of the things I love too, because I'm a Southerner is Adam Reed is totally a Southern dude. He's very much a Southern gentleman and he's the most brilliant person I know. And he's such an incredible, um, creative and comedic voice. And he's a Southerner. And I just right. love that. Yeah. yeah. There is a special shine to Southerners, mm-hmm. Southern gentlemen, the the real ones, not the fake ones. Yeah. Like there's something really special yeah, about them. Totally. Um, so where do you want to see the development of your voice? So do you want to do more voiceover work in the future? I do. I really love it. I want I want to do more on camera work because that's a whole side of myself that I haven't really done a lot of. Um, but I love doing voice work. I would love to do it for the rest of my life if I possibly can. It's really a wonderful medium. 
and you can do it for the rest of yeah, your life. Yeah, totally. That's the cool thing. I finally like... quit smoking so I can do it forever. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yay. Congratulations on quitting smoking. Congratulations on 100 episodes coming up. Thank you. Nine seasons of Archer being awesome. Thank you. This was so interesting. It's been such a joy to have you. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yay. Well, how wonderful is Amber Nash? That was so interesting. And I loved talking to Pam. Y'all, the jet ski accident. Just so Pam. Oh, what a ding dong. All right. Well, if you want to find Amber on the socials, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Amber C. Nash. Obvi, obvi. Those links are going to be on the show notes as well at culturedpodcast.com. And we've got another juicy, wonderful, spectacular episode for you next week. But in the meantime, y'all, keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured. See you around, Poofy. Take it easy, Archer. Oh, hey, an Archer. Come to think of it, where were you last night? Ask your wife. Ah, uh, you know his wife left him. For you, Archer, because you screwed her tits off at the precinct cookout. So then she thought the two of you would get married and live happily ever after, but then you were like, what? Exactly. That face right there. I... Oh. How does that help? Mmm. Humanizes you? I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. David Markowitz is our executive producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to The Cultured Podcast on culturedpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and anywhere podcasts are found. (laughs) 